We're here because the, the issue of does California have an economic future? That's a lot of press, particularly in the business press and the conservative press, basically has us as a permanent basket case and never be able to get out of it. Uh, we answer that question a bit. We're very, very tough, I think, on, on where we're going. But there are great opportunities. This is a report nurturing California's industries. Um, and we um, maybe we'll start with this main point that the two, two of the three authors are here. Uh, uh, Marshall, um, does California have a future? Uh, you know, or are the reports of California's death being uh, somewhat um, exaggerated? Somewhat, somewhat premature? Somewhat premature. Uh, definitely somewhat premature, Joel. California... First of all, California has a tremendous present as well as a future. It's the world's, arguably, depending upon how you measure it, the fourth or the fifth largest economy, has tremendous strengths in a lot of areas. But as the work that you and I and Sugata have been doing over the last year or so have illustrated, there are some really big red flags about where we're going. Um, and especially around the relationship between the state government and the business climate. That's where the problems are, and that's what really needs kind of wholesale remaking in our, in our minds. And, and, and why do you think that this gap between the business interest and the political interest has gotten so wide? You know, I think it's mostly um, errors of omission, really. I think that, that the state kind of takes business for granted. We've had this tremendous economic miracle called the information age, right, called the tech industry, that um, has provided tremendous wealth to California. And I think the state has just taken it so much for granted that it thinks it's going to be there, and it just magically appears and doesn't understand the really key underpinnings of what it takes to have an economy that vibrant. Um, and so the relationship between the state and private industry has become very contentious. The state thinks that um, business is a pocket to be picked, doesn't need to be nurtured, uh, doesn't care about attracting new industry in, especially if the industry that they're, that that is required to come in has some form of environmental uh, impact, like light, even light manufacturing or natural resource usage. Uh, and so uh, the state is making it very difficult for businesses to continue doing business here. And we're seeing uh, the result of that is, a, is, a, is an exodus of businesses from California in very visible ways. So, so Sugata, I, I know you've worked on issues with other countries and other places. Is there some way we can learn a lesson? I mean, it seems to me California is coming in with unbelievable assets relative to anybody else. And yet other places seem to be advancing much more quickly. Who can we learn, learn from and what lessons can we take and apply here? Thanks, Joel. That's a great question. Um, I uh, tend to agree with Marshall in the first part. Um, California had a great past. Um, it's one of the leading uh, states and, uh, in the U.S., uh, growing with uh, digital uh, technology innovations. So that's, that part is great. So, but um, we cannot uh, take it as something as granted that this is going to uh, happen in future as well. 
nature of business is changing. Okay. Now, um, whatever um, success we had, that that's great. But I think we have to really look into um, in a different way. For example, I as you said that what examples we can look at. Let's uh, talk about Singapore. Um, I lived and worked in Singapore for a number of years, and um, they uh, the way the Singapore government plans um, the economy to grow, they have a long-term view, like next five years, next 10 years, next 15 years. The way they plan it, their master plan or the blueprint is, um, is really amazing, I would say. So uh, they have a vision of the next 10 or 15 years, what they want to do, and they work through that plan pretty closely. So one of the things they do is, um, Singapore, the first thing they invested a lot in the education so that uh, their general population uh, is highly educated, they got the skills. So they moved up uh, to high-skill jobs. Now, of course, in an economy, we need there are jobs that is needed for the medium-skill, for the low-skill, or semi-skill workers. So what Singapore did is uh, they know that their population is can manage or handle with their capability on education, high-level work. But to run the economy, uh, particularly the middle-income you know, group, depends on that hugely. So, for example, if I talk about domestic service okay, or service in the healthcare industry, they what they did is uh, they come up with a plan to take people from neighboring countries, okay, train them in the neighboring countries, bring them to Singapore, train them further, and make them um, ready to take up those jobs in the service sector, could be healthcare, Domestic health, elder care, uh, they make it very vibrant. So the economy is running in that sector very, very well, and the economy is getting its desired results. It's relevant to California because, like Singapore, we're an immigrant society. Um, are there closer to home examples? I mean, Singapore is an exceptional place. All three of us have had involvements with it. Um, how about closer to home? Well, I think there are a couple of a couple of domestic. Um, Examples that are great, as well as uh, some some offshore examples. But before I get into the specifics on it, I just want to build on one thing that Sugata made, and that is, we're talking about places that have intentionality about them, right? This is not just a random walk for Singapore or for Utah, which is another great example, or for Costa Rica, which is another great example. These are countries that have taken a great deal of care of thinking about what is my position in the world, where is the world going, and how do I make life better for the vast majority of ordinary people? That does not seem to be happening here in California. And so, for instance, in, in, um, in Costa Rica, one of the big strategies was Let's make sure that we can attract companies that can provide jobs that pay better than average. What do we need to do to do that? We need to have an English-speaking workforce. Let's teach our people English, increase the literacy level so that we can be attractive to businesses of all types that require English speakers. Utah, the government relationship with businesses is very intentional. If you're a company that is looking to grow its talent base, Utah is able to put together training programs from high school all the way through to university 
follow up with those training programs to actually make sure people get into the training programs, uh, be able to provide the same level of tax uh, 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 incentives that any other place would, would put together, but be welcoming about it and look and say, okay, we want people in specific sectors like R&D that is biotech oriented or engineering oriented. They're very deliberative about saying, these are the areas that we want to nurture. We're not taking a deliberative approach. And so one of the big, one of the big recommendations that we have, which comes in this document, Nurturing uh, California's Industries, is that we should be taking a bet on your winners approach, right? We identified five or six different sectors that we think are important. Uh, ag agriculture, but specifically ag tech, and we'll talk about that in a second, because ag tech is one of the real jewels that California has because it has such a dominance in the overall agricultural area. Um, aerospace, the new space industry, not just the old aerospace industry of, of uh, 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 Boeing and and uh, people, you know, uh, uh, the, the Hughes aircraft era, but the new space industries, the creative industries, of course, which is a huge strength for California, um, semiconductors, computer manufacturing. And then as we get into this new world of AI, where we're going to be seeing ordinary people ha making a living more frequently by tending to other people. Right. There are really kind of two aspects to that. One is being able to nurture the actual delivery of services to seniors, family people, individuals in the healthcare area, as well as managing the payer system. Interestingly, California has a strength in HMOs and in the management of healthcare. And as we move into uh, what looks like more of a single payer system for uh, for healthcare around the United States, people are going to be looking for exemplars and California is an exemplar. So those are six areas that we have real strengths now that we should really be intentionally backing in order to be able to see growth. Well, why why aren't we? I mean, why is I mean, why is a place like Singapore or Utah able to look at the economic trends and say, "Hey, we have a strength here." Like in the case of Utah, a fairly well-educated population, fairly disciplined workforce, um, you know, a good physical environment. What is it? Uh, why are we not able to pull this together? Um, you know, what, I mean, you're, you're looking at it maybe from the outside California. Why is this happening? I think, uh, I mean, this is exactly where we want to look at through this study. Uh, probably we got too carried away with the tech sector or pharmaceuticals. Uh, they're great. They're doing fantastic. But that doesn't mean other sectors are getting impacted in a negative way. So probably it's at a time has come. So we are looking more closely, particularly those sectors. I think uh, we had a in, in very interesting statistics. 99% of business in California is small and medium enterprise. So it's basically everything, you know, pretty much the whole economy. So um, probably our study, you know, that's exactly what we're trying to point out here. Time has come to look into the small and medium, you know, business. And what is that they're, they're looking for? What is the help that is needed from the government? And the government has to be very proactive. So, uh, so they are basically the, the, the meat of the business is there in California. People are living, you know, because they don't get enough revenue or income. And that's exactly what the focus should be. And 
this is so may is are we are we not is government not talking to business enough i mean because every time we have a meeting with business leaders let's say with the new california coalition you know we we're, we're sometimes we're told about problems we didn't even know existed or that you know nobody ever talked to me so i i walked out what what do you see the core problem is that government does not think that business needs to be engaged as a partner. There is a contentious attitude. Every business person, and we have talked through our research to literally hundreds of business people from all levels, from small businesses all the way up to large corporations. They view California government as a contentious challenger to them as opposed to a partner. And in all of these other places, like Singapore and uh, Utah and in a lot of other states as well, as, and, and Costa Rica, the hallmark is public-private partnerships, the ability to work together. And that's not just a, like a legal entity of, oh, let's create a public-private partnership. It's really an attitudinal question. It's an issue of um, the state bureaucracy not thinking that business is out to do evil, but in fact is a, is a force that can be worked with together. Most of the objections of business people, we did a survey uh, with CEOs last year um, that validates this. Most of, the, most of the business people are willing to put up with the taxation issues. What they hate is the arbitrary enforcement of picayune uh, regulation. You know, in the real estate area, just try to get a real estate project approved. It's going to take you more years than you have left on your life. Right. And this is why businesses are saying, oh, if I'm going to put my money into a project and try to grow something, why on earth would I do it here? So how do we change those attitudes? I, I was thinking, Sugata, about India, where I've spent some time. India was known, you know, was, you know, the, the, as being incredibly difficult to do business in. Now it's changed. In, India's on its way to becoming a superpower. Uh, how, how did that process work? How did people in in India begin to realize that fighting business wasn't a good thing? And how did that how did that change? How did the, how did the government change? Right. I think this is exactly uh, what India was trying to do over the last 20, 30 years. It was, uh, before that, uh, it was all red tape and a lot of regulations. Well, license, uh, exactly, license yeah. raj, exactly, you know that. So anything you want to get started with your business, you have to probably take, you know, have 10 licenses or 15 licenses. I mean, that's impossible to somebody to, you know, cross all those hurdles. So the, 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 the government in the later part realized that we have to remove those tips, red tips. We have to make things more simplified. So um, things can move faster and has to be more focused, okay? It, it can't be one rule that applies to all kinds of business because every business works differently. And one of the things why we do, see, we, do, we do see some success in the IT industry, this is the one which is least regulated when it started. So it was like, you know, they had the opportunity to grow without this license and regulations. So, and you, that is one of the success stories. So this is one of the models, you know, how that IT sector, which is really a commendable force now in the global economy, 
that actually happened after this license Raj, right. and it flourished so, so quickly. So this is you know, something, uh, a lesson we can really learn and uh, move on. Yeah. Well, and we see that here happening on the local level. There are a lot of cities that have created regulation concierges, where if you're a small business person and you're looking to open a microbrewery in Anaheim, California, as an example, there's a desk that you can go to where they will sit down, work with you, and say, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Oh, you need these five permissions or five permits or whatever. Let us walk you through the process, mm -hmm. take you to the individual departments, kind of do that legwork for you so that you don't have to spend all of your time bollocked up in this red tape. Why can't we do that on the state level? Utah does that. Arizona does that. Colorado does that. And by the way, look at the results. From a, from a relative perspective, they're gaining faster than we are. Now, that's not to say that Life is falling apart here in California. We don't want to give that impression. California is still growing. California is still strong. But it is no longer growing at the same rate that its competitors are. Our work, our research work, has shown that over the past couple of years. We are losing share, in a way, to other states. And that's something that will eventually come to... Uh, that we'll have to pay the price for. So, so to to sort of summarize to the end, the uh, what what would you uh, say to Governor Newsom and the legislature as the first steps towards taking advantage of our inherent strengths and not continuing to fall behind other states and other countries? Yeah, I would say, you know, like two or three very important things we have to look at. First of all, um, we have to really address one of the issues that is driving the middle-income California out of the state, which is like uh, too much of uh, housing, you know, prices, you know, the rent as well as the house cost. So that is something we need to look at very carefully because if you do not live comfortably, possibly you cannot work comfortably. So definitely um, the housing crisis, we know that's a big problem, but that needs to be addressed um, pretty, you know... Uh, will be the subject of our next... Report. Next, exactly. <laughs> and then, as Marshall was saying, that um, it's more of a proactive public-private partnership. So the government really has to maybe hold hand, you know, uh, for a while for the small and medium enterprises. You know, give them a room to breathe, you know, let them grow, and then, you know, um, if you want to have some uh, regulations, you know, bring after when they have in a position, they can sustain their own business. So, of course, you know, so that growth phase is very important. We have to let them grow first, get a platform, and then restructure the industry. So that would be one or two things I should, I should uh, recommend. Just reminds me when I was, uh, I was actually in the New York airport, I ran into a, a, a friend who has a biotech company. She's really on the cutting edge of, of sort of animal biology science. She was in California. She just moved to Georgia. And they said Athens, Georgia, opened up the, the door to them, helped them with taxes, encouraged them to be there. So here's somebody who really wants to stay in California, and she's going to Georgia because of exactly the things you're talking about. So if I were talking directly to Governor Newsom, what I would say is, look, the answer to this is unbelievably simple. Listen, take in the input. You have a vehicle called GoBiz, which is highly underfunded compared to other states 
business development organizations, but the, at least the mechanism exists, put some money into that and put some money into retraining the bureaucracy to become more customer-focused. Every business on the planet has had to become more customer-focused. There are tons of programs out there to teach bureaucrats how to listen. We're not using them. We're not, we're not, we're, we're continuing to allow people to be contentious in state government. Our litigation level is too high. We need to figure out ways of limiting the amount of, of litigation so that we can at least say, let's get on with it. We may not have a perfect solution, but let's have an interactive relationship and not have everybody sue each other and stop projects continually. This is part of what a state that cares about doing business and cares about growing its business base does. So, you know, basically what, what we hope to do with this report, and I think it's an important part of our mission as a center, is not just to help business ju just as business, but to understand that, and I think Singapore is a great example because if you read Lee Kuan Yew, it's very clear, you, business has to serve the interests of the, of the population, creating high-wage jobs, uh, providing decent training. So a lot of, a lot of things that we think California can do have been done by other places, and we should be able to do them, and we have more assets than anyone else. And so this report, as, as I see it, is not a report of just a, cri a critique, but also a report that opens, offers hope for the future um, and tries to get business engaged in the business of how do we make a better state and make it better for the people who live here. One additional thought for you. As Sugata mentioned, 99% of the businesses in the state are small businesses. Right now, if you were a small business person, would you add an extra person on your payroll with all of the regulatory nonsense that it's involved of, of having to do, of course you wouldn't, right? Especially in our virtualized world where we can buy resources from all over the planet to get it done. But just think, if we could make the state that much easier to do business in, where 10% of the small businesses added one person, think of the number of jobs that that would bring. We're not looking at it that way. We're not looking at how do we make it easy for businesses to add people. We're looking at being punitive and saying, here are the 47,000 things that you have to do if you add a person. That's just not the right attitude. And so if we can correct that attitude, I think we can see some significant results. I think, you know, I think that this is a report that I think business should be reading and the government should be reading. It'll be interesting whether we ever get a response from Sacramento on any of this. If I just add one, one thing here, I mean, California has great history, great resources. It'll be a loss for us, you know, uh, it's a missed opportunity. Uh, if we do not move to the next stage of growth and uh, there's a new skills, you know, new strategies are needed for the next stage of growth. We have to understand that, that we have to do something differently now to sustain this level of growth. That's exactly how it should be the focus. Well, and talk about what the next research is going to be as we move into AI-driven world and uh, chat GPT, which completely upends the way people actually work and what people are required to do in order to be able to get stuff done. We're going to need to rethink all of this yet one more time. Right. You know, And so that's, that has some very profound 
implications for where we're going. But stay tuned. Yeah, and I, again, I, I just hope that um, people who watch this go to our website at, at Chapman University um, and, be, and begin to become engaged with what we're trying to do. Um, because again, the goal is not to help rich people get richer, it's to help uh, the middle class thrive and that the working class people can move to the middle class. That is the entire intent of what we're doing.